And we're back. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. We're going to be joining us from this is the Driveline Academy podcast. I am your host, as per usual, Devin Morgan, director of youth baseball at Driveline, founder of the Driveline Academy, joined by uh, my partner, Driveline Academy assistant director Jeremy Tectiel, and a new special guest. Back-to-back guest appearances here. Uh, what the heck did we call your job title? Am I the only one who knows? I think you're the only one that knows. Something skill intern. Uh, two of the three words are correct, but if we're doing like Wordle style, uh, <laughs> skill is in yellow. Oh, okay. Skill development intern. Skill development Let's intern. go. Driveline Academy skill development intern, Dylan Hawley. Uh, and as I did last week, I'm going to take an opportunity to gas you up real quick. Um, Hawley's been with us since we started, um, I think. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, and started, um, you know, with a lot of our year one assistant coaches are working on the floor. Um, and very similar to, to, to brands, man, I, I think just the, the difference in investment and care that you have shown from the jump, it, it's just, it's, it just comes off the page, man. It's just like, it's, it's so incredibly easy to see. So like when Jeremy and I were talking like, well, Holly's done playing, uh, we got to hire that guy. <laughs> like, we, we just have to hire that guy, man. And like, uh, it, it, I think it just, it gives us so much leverage to be able to have, um, someone like you here with us in specific to kind of what we're going to talk about today, you know, in terms of like running the online training side of things, having someone that is invested, uh, where the care factor is so high, but also the the understanding of what we're doing from a system standpoint, from the way that it plays out to the athlete, because you've done both is just huge. And like people forget he also worked on track. Did do some track stuff. Did, yeah. People he, forget. He gave, he, a, gave a demo or two. Yes. My first, uh, not intern. You weren't an intern, just like my first hourly employee when I when I worked at track. Yeah. So um. So yeah, man. So so uh, I, you can just have the floor to kind of talk about like the path to get here and say whatever you want to say, and then we'll we'll get into the the other stuff. Yeah. Start at birth. <laughs> I guess uh started training using driveline stuff like sophomore year of high school. Um, maybe freshman year. I don't really remember. And then like around my junior year, I kind of decided like I'm not gonna be good enough to be where I want to be at the end of high school. So. Around then, made the decision to come out here for a year, and then uh, COVID hit, and it became an even better decision. Yeah. Um, so I was out here for a year looking for a job, because it's way more expensive to live out here than it is in Minnesota. And I think I applied like mid-September of 2020 uh, for a head coach position. Got it. Started with the 11U kids. Um, you and Kate, and then the 11Us, dude. Yep. I remember yeah. uh, going down to Centralia, going to Tacos El Rey. After the first day of games. Um, and that's like most of our current 13U black team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, decent chunk of them. Yeah, yeah a lot of them. Um, and then last year was kind of around just as like as an assistant. I was playing. Uh, and then this year, Mon is an intern and coaching the 15U squad. Um, and uh, running the academy online as well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so let's talk about online training. Yeah got an analogy it's going to take a minute for this to play out shocking i know um so i'm going to be 46 this year which is kind of scary to say but it's like the truth and it's just a number so whatever it just means i'm not dead yet um but i'm very much like i mean that is middle age like that's where it is right halfway to 92 halfway uh and the funny thing is like when you get to be halfway to 92 is uh is you kind of start looking at things with a different lens uh so i stopped riding motorcycles lens because your eyesight's worse no it's it's (laughs) it's more transparent because like death is on the doorstep okay yeah fair fair uh so i stopped riding motorcycles uh right before uh was born so i i haven't been riding for like 16 years and i miss it a lot uh my wonderful darling wife has come up with a compromise where uh, I'm going to get back to riding, but I'm going to ride just on the track, right? And, and kind of avoid street riding because street riding is, is you know, obviously where things can get tricky because people don't pay attention to you. They take left turns in front of you, et cetera. Um, so uh, because I know that I can't ride the way that I used to, because I suffered from like that inner troglodyte monkey at the back of my brain that's like, let's go fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I can't kind of repeat that stuff and I'm certainly at a different place in my life, I am going to go like go and get trained because like, that's just the thing. Right. So, uh, there's this guy, Keith code who runs, um, California Superbike school. And he wrote a book called twist of the wrist. And he's a two part book. Uh, so Keith, uh, is like the best motorcycle, like racing instructor in the world because he systematized his approach. Hmm. 
weird, right? Uh, and, and the way that he kind of breaks this stuff down in the book is kind of taking, uh, you have to think about kind of the inputs and the problem. So the inputs are the choices that you make, gas, brake, lean angle, position on the seat, etc. cetera. Uh, the problem is the course or the road or whatever. And he kind of breaks it down and blockchains it very similar to what we do on the throwing and hitting side, right? But in the book, he has this really uh, cool analogy. He talks about kind of the way that you spend your attention. And he's like, attention, it's like you have $10 worth of attention that you can spend. And if you spend $9.99 of your attention uh, towards simply just going fast, like I'm just zoned out, I'm trying to get as close to a flow state as possible, but I'm not, I'm just focused on that. You don't have a lot of attention you can pay towards being observant. So what he actually advocates for is actually starting when you're trying to learn how to ride fast is being in a very like observational position, which means you're not going to run as fast right out the gate, but you're making note through observation about like what you did, the result you got and how you break that down. I don't see how this analogy works. Testing and retesting, baby. And when I think about the evolution of like online training in general, and specifically like youth online training at Driveline, that absolutely maps to kind of like where it was when I joined the company because youth online baseball development, which is what it used to be called, was an existing product. I think the issue or perhaps the opportunity that we had to improve youth online baseball development is that we weren't mandating things like Blast and we weren't mandating things like uh, any type of velocity reading device. And because of that, our ability to be observant about development or, you know, just that whole thing, right? We, we weren't able to be in that mode. In, uh, in bike racing, if you aren't, don't have the ability to be observant, then you're just like trying to go as fast as possible and you don't have the answer to why you can't improve your times. In baseball development, if you don't have the ability to kind of be observant through technology and test retest, then I think a lot of times it pushes you I think for us of trying to deliver a product is like, well, let's talk about mechanics because mm -hmm. what else can we talk about? You know, I, I don't have the ability to kind of even quantify uh, where we were when we started and whatever mechanical changes where they got us to. So it's just like this constantly revolving conversation about mechanics because you don't have the ability to observe the effect. Right. And I bring that up to kind of like walk us into this process of talking about why we wanted to do online training differently and why we wanted to improve this product and kind of how we've like reshaped this thing towards something that pairs very closely to what we have in person. It's just the technology is different. Yeah. Right. Like that, that was a thing. And I think when you start first started with the online stuff, we were kind of in the middle where we're like, we knew that kind of having this constant mechanical conversation with kids wasn't what we wanted we wanted to move away from that. So we tried to do like group training, but then the group training brought with it a lot of other kind of issues where if like if Tommy is on one program and Timmy's on the other, then like, yeah, we're, we're getting the thing that we want, which is we're kind of getting out of this like one-on-one, -on -one, I'm just going to dome you about mechanics thing, but too much variance. Kids are on different programs. Their schedules don't line up, et cetera, which then has landed us to where we are with Academy online right now, which I think is a much better, like best of both worlds configuration right yeah. so that that was just kind of like the the floor that i wanted to set for like because you drove a lot of these improvements to like the online product because you had been working it for so long so mm -hmm. uh i think just whatever you want to say about kind of the the new configuration and also like the ytp the yearly training plan yeah, side yeah. of things i think is i mean i think um i guess i'll back up like a little bit mm -hmm. uh, took on the online stuff and um really the only data that was being collected uh was like most of the kids had a blast sensor yeah um now like the thing that uh drives people drove me to driveline is like you're gonna come in and they're gonna tell you very honestly uh very promptly uh you're bad at this you're good at this uh so we're gonna work on the things you're bad at and get you better at them and this is what our target is yeah. it's very very clear um and so i think that for me as an athlete that was the appeal we're like i'm gonna come in they're going to tell me I'm either good or bad at certain things. Yep. And I'm going to have like a really, really clear plan, plan on what to work on and where to, you know, where to be at a certain time. Um, so like when you're only collecting uh, visual data where like you're just seeing video, uh, that sort of like long-term uh, progression is either non-existent or strictly objective. 
Yeah. Uh, or subjective, rather. And Or you're talking about, like, okay, we talked about making this mechanical change X. How did that play out in the game? But, right. But, I see, it, I see the video. Yeah. Right. I see the video you made the change, but, like, are you better? Like, did yeah. that change actually work? Right. And, it's, right. and it's like, man, the fidelity of that signal is is really not great, you know, no. because because of the environment right and i will say uh before i kind of get into like where what we're doing right now with academy online me telling you some mechanical cues and then you coming back in a couple weeks and seeing if they're better is a really good model for you to keep coming back to me Mm -hmm. correct because if if you feel that you have trust in me uh, as a coach and uh then you're just gonna keep coming back and like if you think you got better because either i gave you the right encouragement or you went and had a good tournament that weekend or something um there's a lot of players who don't think that they need to like have their progress proven to them that in order to get better uh which simply isn't the case like if you're fe- if you just feel better uh you're not better like we need to attach some objective results to make sure that we're getting each of our athletes better otherwise like as coaches uh you can't be sure you're doing your job yeah uh, and so that's where we are with academy online is that uh it's mandated that every player has like access to a radar gun uh at the minimum once a week uh, we've got lots of guys doing velocity programs, so usually that once a week is their high intent day. Um, and so that's kind of like a you know a weekly check-in there. Um, and then like the bl- the blast sensor is mandated now too. So like uh, we know that bat speed is really, really important for getting youth kid- kids to hit the ball harder uh, and find more success in the field. So we're going to orient our training towards making kids swing the bat faster. Uh, now that we have a way to monitor that, like assure that each kid is swinging with it on multiple times a week, like we've got a pretty good stockpile of like data and uh, progress that we can just like show toward to our players to potential people who are thinking about the program um, but i think like most importantly to our players in the program that like it's where we started it's where we are now and then like apply some context to those positive yeah. changes and be like you're just gonna hit balls harder because you're swinging the bat eight miles an hour faster than you were you know five months ago or whatever yeah. um but i think that that piece of context is super important yeah you can't just like throw some numbers and be like look the number's higher you're really good now you know, it's like yeah. kids want to know, like, why the number's higher, what that means for them, what they can expect in the game. Um, and so I think that, like, having that dedicated trainer that they get with Academy Online is really important to providing that. Yeah, and, like, I think it's a really important uh, re- part of, like, that reconfiguration to kind of lean into is, like, it's not that I think working one-on-one with a kid is inherently bad. No. It's just that you want to have some sort of system that allows everybody to be clued in about like the what and the why. Right. Like, what did we change? Why did we change? Like what, why, and then how, and then how did it play out? Yep. You know? And, uh, and it's like, man, that, that ability to be observational, right. That ability to collect just very transparent information, about whether you're getting better or not is the only way that you can kind of reinforce the stuff that you want to stick, I think, or it's the best way. Mm-hmm. It's the best way to understand that like, Oh, this is the positive change. You know, we had this focus on not having excessive elbow climb when I'm doing my pivot picks, mm-hmm. right? That translates into all this downstream net positive effect, whether that's velocity or consistency or whatever. Uh, but you got to see all the like aspects of that picture you're trying to paint to judge the art, right? You know? Yeah, and I guess just so people are on the same page, like with our academy online, each kid gets a trainer that's like their trainer. Uh, they meet once a month they talk about goals that they're going to set uh their progress that they've made on past goals and then our trainers will talk about them about like what they're going to do to achieve those goals so with a lot of kids um it's oh i'd say with most kids it's like especially newer ones like throwing more consistently uh, we yeah. got a lot of kids who will do like the the friday to sunday grind and they'll have a tournament and then they won't throw again until next friday um doesn't lend itself towards like any positive yeah. Uh, attributes that way it's it's dangerous injury wise uh it doesn't lend itself towards progress and so i think like the number one thing that a lot of these kids benefit from is like oh now i have a plan now like yeah. uh you know i'm not just like gonna throw when i feel like it because i haven't thrown in a few days uh it's like i have a structured plan that's built around getting me better at x and y um and then like like i said like every four weeks they're checking back in with that trainer to yeah. either keep going with the plan because it's going well or to pivot on the plan because it's not yeah. and we have like objective results to make that decision as to whether it's going well or not yeah which is just you know functionally it's just such a it's such a night and day difference from the way that we've done it before to be able to like integrate that stuff into the program to have like a yearly training plan where we can kind of understand 
kid in Arizona, kid in New York, kid in Florida, they might be on different schedules, Mm -hmm. but we have different entry points relative to where that schedule is, where it's just like, hey, this thing is very malleable for where you come to us with, you know, like could be that for the next 60 days, we're just talking about like vanilla arm care stuff to help you get healthy Mm -hmm. for, for your games and practices. Right. Which then, once we've, which which is really like, I mean, what, an extended onboard, if anything else? You know, like, you're probably not going to be throwing significantly harder. You might, maybe, if you get a little Depends bit stronger. Yeah, yeah, like, I mean, but it's just like, the thing can get modified for an entry point relative to where you come to, right. to us in terms of schedule, right. which is important. Because I think a lot of times... Uh, another thing you can kind of struggle with is like, oh, well, how do I deliver the most value to a new youth customer, right? Which mm-hmm. probably means keeping the kid in cage and keep the parent happy. Yep. Parent could be like, hey, I've started this program. Let's get to that velo stuff. Right. And it's like, hey, look, you know, we're playing three games a week over the next uh, eight to ten weeks. We're not going to do that, uh, but it's going to set you up for that opportunity later. Yes. You know, like there's just all this other stuff about entry points being really, really personalized that I think allows us to say with confidence that like, hey, you can jump on this thing regardless of where you are or regardless of when you are in your season. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that um, like conversations I've had with trainers is like to continuously refer back to that yearly training plan that we've built and to also understand that like uh, the yearly training plan that we built was for our in-gym academies here in Washington. And like, uh, there are portions of this yearly training plan that might look longer or shorter for some other, like we talked about the kids in Australia yeah. who, uh, you know, you went down there to talk track with them or whatever. And they were like talking about doing a velo phase and you were like, you're playing 52 weeks out of the year. There's no opportunity for one. And so I think that like, um, you know, it's, it's a similar conversation we have with, with all of our athletes. It's like, it's, uh, March you're in Arizona. Um, we're not doing a velo phase. Uh, we will get you as ready for games and, you know, um, as uh, as able to perform consistently in games because that's what's the most important right now. And that's the point of the yearly training plan, as I think, is like making the absolute most of every single week of the year. Yep. You know, it's like, okay, is it three weeks before the season? All right, we're throwing bullpens. We're working on, you know, yeah. uh, being over the plate a lot. We're working on spinning the pitches we want or spinning our pitches the way we want. Uh, is it five weeks after our season has ended, all right, let's start throwing harder. Let's get bigger. Let's get stronger. We can make these slightly more, uh, you know, risky changes now because we're so far away from games. Yeah. Um, and so I think, sorry to cut you off, but I think like that's the biggest thing for me with the early training plan. It's like, we just get to make the most out of every single week of the year if we execute it well. Yeah. Cause we, it's a simple conversation with where are you at in right. your, in your season? Okay. Here's where you're at in the YTP. Right. And then like, not only can we tell you, this is what you're going to be doing for the next six weeks but like here's what's after that mm-hmm. uh which you know you brought up at the beginning which is something that we talked to, about on our uh, bashing lessons podcast was yes like um yeah if you make a mechanical change and they feel better that's an easy way to get re- repeat customer business yep. then like keep coming back it's not as easy when you're like very honest in your assessment with the kid and be like this is what you struggle at this is what you don't struggle at and like we're mid-season, so we're not going to do... I'm not going to give you any mechanical cues. I'm not going right. to do a velo phase, whatever. The way to get those... To under have those people understand the value of, like, why I should do this long-term is, here's what's next. Right. Here, you can see your whole year in front of you. Yes. We're just starting here as opposed to, you know, if you had signed up in September, we're maybe going to start here. Right. Uh, and, like, now we can map this out. And, like, especially when you get to Australia, Japan, other mm-hmm. other countries, um, you know... Chat GPT can translate yep. training into Japanese, but it can't pinpoint where you are on the YTP. Like that is something it's that something we have we to like, like a trainer to do. Right. That yep. we have to like have that personal touch and like actually have some intentionality of like you're not just gonna not everyone's gonna start day one. No. Uh everyone's gonna start with an on ramp because right. most of these kids haven't thrown plows before. Correct. Yeah. But your on ramp may look different depending on who you are and what time you're at the season and yep. when you need to be ready to play by. Right. Absolutely. I mean we've got kids between eight and I think we've got a couple um you know, long tenured kids who are 15 too. And it's just like, not only uh, could they be at the exact same place in the yearly training plan, but like our trainers need to have the savvy to know like, okay, this kid needs a lot more than this kid. Yeah. Or like, you know, even if we have two 10 year old kids and one is biologically advanced and one is not, like those are going to need be completely different training programs, even if they're at, you know, they play in the same league. Right? Yeah. 
And, and like in that system, you know, that, that system and then the system of the, the guy or the girl who's just like saying, trying to say some magic words, mm -hmm. you know, they both revolve around the same thing. They both revolve around trust. You know, like I, as the parent, if I'm paying, I have to trust that like this thing is, you know, I trust you to be the expert, right? The right. difference is, and this is again, like a really, really substantial difference. And it's what differentiates these two perspectives is that one of these things is just like, you're trusting me to be the expert. You're trusting my eyes. You're trusting my history. Whatever uh, little coach bio thing I wrote that you read and was like, oh, this guy yeah. seems qualified. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 you know, we, we meet in the lobby or whatever. And I go, hey, you know, Johnny, Johnny's really working on driving off that back leg. He's got a lot better today. Mm -hmm. And you as the parent are just like, oh, great. Let's go get him. Yep. Right. Because, uh, because the parent doesn't have that experience. They don't have that background. So there's just, I just have to trust that like, if, you know, Joey instructor, you know, two bags is, is telling me that my kids are doing better at driving off the back leg and that that's going to map to something. Mm -hmm. There's this other thing over here though, where, uh, we're leveraging trust the same way, but we're being very transparent about the outcome. We're showing our work. Yeah, man. And it's, that's just a, it's a very, very different thing, you know? Yeah. And I, I will say there's some trust in, in knowing, like, are these, the numbers we should be looking at is this the data that oh sure matters? yeah um and i think that you know uh through multiple blog posts through multiple research studies like pretty damn sure that like maybe it's not like the end all be all i mean i will be the first to tell you that uh bat speed works in multiple directions and just because the number goes up doesn't mean that like sure we are undoubtedly a better hitter um but like fucking matters and uh like i'm you know pretty certain that like the things that we're tracking the things that we're looking at um unequivocally make a baseball player better and yeah. matter for their success later on yeah and i mean i think that's also like a i mean it's not i guess it's not a false equivalency and that's a different thing but like just because we say the bat speed is really important doesn't mean that we're also suggesting like Mutual exclusivity is, is yeah, like it, it's exclusivity. it's not to say that like well you can just have bat speed and be a shitty hitter, right? Because because like that I've seen it, yeah, I've seen it, yeah. And and I think a lot of times you know because you know somebody somebody this this uh, in the last couple like couple few days is like uh, on you know Twitter.com you know exit velocity is the well I got the receipts let me <laughs> let me just pull it up I I'm a big stickler for accuracy. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, it's hard to be a good hitter without bat speed. Yes. Um, you can have bat speed and not be a good hitter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, exit velocity is the most overrated measurement in baseball. Hmm. And like, I, you know, I, I under, I understand where you're, I understand where you're going. And it was very like I wanted to like, and I'm, you know. I guess sometimes I'm kind of a pot stirrer, but in this particular weekend, I didn't feel like stirring the pot. But I wanted to like be like, hey, like uh, bat speed is the most underrated measurement because exactly what you said, you can be, uh, you can be an okay hitter relative to your level, relative to your competition, relative to your age without bat speed. But if you want to open that door to high performance. It's just necessary. Like, this is just like you can't make bread without flour. We're not right. going to get there, man. And, 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 you know, and of course that gets twisted around and like, oh, well, you're encouraging kids to overswing, right. whatever, whatever that means. And, and it's like, well, no, what we're talking about is rising tide raises all ships. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and, and the amusing thing is, is it like, so, so somebody put that quote out bunch of back and forth obviously because nothing's going to trigger both old school and new school coaches by been like saying something like very bombastic that sure. way and I, I say that as someone who's like i've done that thing and the last reply that i saw is that the guy that had the original post is going like uh is like uh well blah 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 you know high school high school teams don't have track man yada yada um so hey, just what if they could afford it sure well of course they would uh so he finishes with we'll just hit the ball hard I'm, I mean, he's right, you know, like, but, think, but how would one measure whether or not you're hitting the ball? Let me introduce you to my ISOTO, my friend. 
And it's like, and it's it's not. A lot of those guys would say years, by the way. Not sure. Guys. Yeah, it's like I heard it. It sounded sure. good. Sure. I mean, and I've also like heard, you know, uh, you know, uh, ball make contact with like certain BB core bats, and it sounds great. And it's just like a, it's a worm burner. You know, it's a it's or a soft we use flare. The loose cover potatoes that we do in here, and it's oh. like a broken bat. Yeah, yeah. Like a brand new metal bat. You know, like yeah. Um, that's why I have such a problem with the movie Trouble with the Curve. I've heard it's I've I've heard by by so many people have told me that it's bad that I've just ignored it. Is it that I mean is I don't that, know, I've never seen it, but I know that the the whole point of it is the guy's losing his eyesight and is able to scout by his ears, which is just ludicrous. <laughs> Hold on. Sounds like a real dog. Like like Clint, Clint Eastwood, I'm pretty sure the whole point of the movie is he's like going blind and he's like a baseball scout and is using his ears to scout and like brings his daughter who's Amy Adams with him and like I don't know what exactly she does but like he he's able to still scout and know the good baseball players using his ears and not his eyes which, I want uh, like a much more current version where he's just like very data oriented yeah and like <laughs> where he's he's all he can blind read and deaf yeah. and just like he's <laughs> able like, to read like the, 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 the braille of the the, <laughs> yeah. the data and it's like ah oh, it's pretty good it reminds me of the sunny episode I just watched where they uh Charlie writes the fifth sense. <laughs> they talk about the, the guy who can smell crime. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I had no idea that was the premise of that movie. Yeah. I'm so pretty sure. Like... Someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but because uh, I've never actually uh, had the guts to watch that movie. So it's like. Because I watched Draft Day and was like, I'm done with these. Yeah. I'm, I'm done with any kind of movie that uh, so it's has like, that in it. It's like the baseball version of like Daniel Day Lewis and My Left Foot. What a wild analogy. Uh. <laughs> no, Clint Eastwood didn't win an Oscar. Well, so. yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh man. And I don't think he plays like a blind person, just someone who He's is just going li- blind. Oh gosh, wow, wow. You learn something new every day. Yeah. Um. So yeah, if you want to be coached by uh, an expert, uh, a subject matter expert who you can trust in the field, who isn't going blind or deaf, uh, Driveline Academy <laughs> Online is like a decent option. I just, yeah, man, that's tough. I think something I want to point out with, um, like, the difference between, you know, because we run monthly meetings with, mm-hmm. our, with our players, and I think that it's important to note the difference between that and doing, like, a lesson every month with a, sure. with a person. Yeah. Um, our athletes also are all able to, like, text our trainers in between those meetings, uh, which is really, really valuable because it's like, okay, we can talk about, you know, a potential mechanical change we want to make on a, on a, on that meeting. Right. Maybe you gave a good example of like elbow climb through pivot picks, uh, whatever it may be. I think that that constant communication provides lots of value, uh, and actually mimics the gen pop floor here at driveline pretty well. Um, because like, okay, uh, we meet on the first, we talk about this change we want to make. And then on the seventh and the 15th, you send me videos about, you know, you doing this drill. Hey, what do you got on this? I did a, a set today and it felt really good. Here's the video. And then like, we can kind of have like a little bit, you know, more of a running communication before that next meeting on the 30th. Um, so that when you get to that meeting on the 30th, we can spend that t- that 30 minutes or whatever, like really, really valuably. And those 30 minutes are all valuable instead of like the first five being like, oh, this past month was really good. You know, like, yeah, I, the running loop of communication, um, I think it's really, really close to that constant feedback loop we're trying to provide here on the floor, uh, which I think is like the name of the game for us with Academy is like once we put the numbers and the things that matter in front of kids, um, yes, they will need coaching to like go achieve it. And yeah. like uh, we'll need some like outside of the box ideas and cues given to them to like, you know, go and make that progress. But also like there's a lot of work that a kid can get done with being like, I take a swing that number is too low let me try something else and make it higher yeah you know um yeah just to explain uh for any any of our lovely viewers who might have been like did he just say gen pop uh yeah that is what we refer to our driveline regular training if they're not an academy kid and not a big leaguer uh they're in that middle ground which is our general population and we do refer to them as gen pop uh but like that was one of the big things when we talked about originally like revamping online training was we have online training, remote training for big leaguers, for minor league players that runs really, really well. Which is data-oriented. Which is data-oriented. Yeah. We already have that in place. Right. We already have our academy in place with a YTP 
that is pretty strong that we're pretty confident in and we're doing some pretty cool things with it now how do we get the academy online to ref to be closer to both of those things yeah uh, and, like and, it, and that was a lot of the, the impetus behind these moves and the, the constant communication with the trainer, things like that. Right. And like, there's a lot of variance, athlete to athlete, mm -hmm. on, on what their experience looks like. Yeah. Um, and it's all good variance. Right. Like, it's all variance catered towards them. Uh, but like, you know, we had a kid sign up in Japan recently, and then we've got kids down in Arkansas. We've got a couple of kids here in Seattle uh, who are like, you know, welcome to come in for lessons because like they're close to the, yeah. the facility here. Um, and so like all of their experiences with the program are going to look different, mm -hmm. uh, but all of their experiences are going to be tied towards like getting objective goals, having training that makes sense as to why we're doing it uh, relative to those goals. And then like they'll, they'll get a trainer who is dedicated to, you know, making sure that those goals get achieved. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's like the way that Academy works here. I mean, all of our players here at Academy are, are setting goals and working towards them every, every training phase. So mm -hmm. For us to not do that with the online stuff would be a disgrace. Right. Yeah. And I think that whole loop of like the, you know, the monthly part of things also maps to just like the amount of reps and the time that you need for something to stick. Especially with a kid who's changing. Especially, especially with a biologically immature nine to 13 year old boy or girl. Like it, it, yeah. need, it needs time for that stuff to like sink in. Right. And if that. Most kids, most kids, eight to 14, they're experiencing like some of the most rapid growth mm -hmm. of their life mm -hmm. from, from most people that age. Yeah. And so like it, it presents a pretty difficult task for our trainers. Cause like you could make a change, feel like you're, you know, you're in a good spot. And then like a couple weeks go by the kid grows three inches and loses 15 pounds. Cause kids do that. And yeah. now you got to start from ground zero. It feels like, and um, I think that that just like forces our trainers to be like really, really solid in what they know uh, and like keep directing kids back to those things. I think that that is the like, I think that's a feature, not a bug of the ecosystem. Right. Because if you are working with someone that you trust, whether in person or online, as a parent, when your kid comes to you, and I say this with experience, where they're like, I feel like I just can't find a barrel today. I felt like I just couldn't throw hard today. Mm -hmm. uh, there's typically like two paths. And like, you know, one of those paths is to try to like blame it on, you want to find a boogeyman, you know, like you want to, you want to find, uh, I want to give my kid an answer, right? I want to tell them that there's an easy solution to that problem. And that line of thinking, a lot of times I think is very easy to push you into, well, what mechanically, what's the mechanical reason that that stuff happened? What were you doing with your hips? Yeah. Oh, you got over your front side too right. much or not enough mm -hmm. or your your shoulder was flying open or it was flying closed or your head or. And those things could be true. Right. And all that stuff could be true, but it also could be that your child is an incredibly unique one time only configuration of their biology, the base state that you cannot negotiate around. And I've had these conversations with my own kids where it's like, OK, well, what else is going on? You're sleeping like 11 hours a night. You'll sleep 12 hours if I don't if I don't wake you up on the weekend. You're crushing food constantly. You eat more than I do. Mm -hmm. You oh you ran into a, a shelf the other day. You ran into the the side of the door. Kids are terrible at applying context. I think working with kids for three years. Yeah, uh, that's something I've come to realize is that like kids are really really bad about like considering anything and that's not right in front of them. Right. And like, so to have someone there who can be like, yeah, you might have sucked today, but like, think about what you did yesterday, what you did this morning, what yeah. you ate, how you slept, um, what we've done for training, all of those things, kids are just not going to consider. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I ever, I had a conversation with a kid on my team. Um, we had we'd just gone through our competition prep phase on the hitting side. Uh, and his bat speed was down, like, throughout, like, the last four weeks. And he's like, it's been down, like, every single day. Like, I don't know what's up. Like, it's it's no good. Yeah. And I was like, we just got done with uh, data collection week where you have a 45-mile-an-hour pitch coming in that is not challenging to hit at yeah. all. Uh, and now you don't know if you're going to get a fastball slider or a changeup coming out of that machine. Uh, and it's all going to be, like, 75-plus, Right. That's a way different environment for a kid, yeah. but they are just sitting there and like, oh, my number's yeah. low. I suck. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah. no, this is like completely in line with what we see all the time. It's, you know, as expected, I would have been surprised if it didn't. Yeah. Um, but like kids just don't realize that they don't know those sorts of things. So to have somebody there who can kind of like guide them towards that context is really, really important. And, and show the work. 
right? Right. And the com- the combination of those two things is why it's like so valuable to have access to text that trainer whenever they want. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. They have like the monthly meetings where they can hop on Zoom for a while and actually have a conversation. But like, they can just if if something weird happens in a game or a practice or like they're unhappy, they can just text the trainer and and knock that out. Right. Basically, right away because the trainer will have an answer for them. Um, and it's you don't you don't get that from like the guy that's giving you lessons that like you'll only see when he's giving you a lesson. Right. Probably not going to sit there unless he charges you way more for it and like answer your questions on non-lesson days. Yeah. Uh, and like maybe you have uh, this amazing lessons coach who's like, I want you to text me after games and like, let me know how they go. The best thing he could give you is like, try and do this with, I mean, the best thing I would see that person giving you is like, try and do this with your a certain part of your body yeah. while you swing. Sure. Um, and like, maybe that's valuable. Maybe that's effective for that kid. Um, but I think that like, it's not very actionable where like a kid can't be like, did I do that? Yes, I did. Right. But if you give a kid, you know, uh, you, let's say a kid is out in front of everything. He's pulling everything to the third base side, the righty hitter or whatever. Um, and you just tell that kid, like, I want you to try and burn the right fielder, like hit a ball with the right fielder's head. We have a swing flaw. Let's try and overcorrect here. Uh, the kid can maybe he like still fouls everything off to the left side and like still strikes out yeah. every at bat, but he can ask himself like, did I try as hard as I could to burn the right fielder on every at bat? Yeah, and like the kid can say yes, I did, but he can't say was my hip in the right position on every single swing. He can't know that. Yeah, you know, uh, not real time. I kind of argue that you could know that even if you had video, uh, but that's beside the point. Like the the goal needs to be giving kids that something that they can very easily drive to and a very um, easily set goal where like the kid knows exactly what they're trying to do, whether or not they actually accomplish it. Yeah. And the, I mean, the, the, uh, the cleanliness of communication there too is just, is so different, right? Because the moment that you start talking to me about my back hip and what you want it to do when you're talking about kids, there's you, bias immediately. You're immediately in this ecosystem where like the words that I'm saying What's the fidelity level that gets like actually received? We're playing telephone with two people. Yes. Right. Right. What's the alternative? The alternative is like what you said is to push them in a direction where they have more clarity and then you leverage whatever contextual tools you have on the side that can let us know the effect. Like that, it's just, it's such a night and day difference. And I think we talk about this stuff and we just throw this stuff out there. Like, it's just like, well, that's just what you do. And the reality is that like the majority of the ecosystem that parents and, and kids in this in youth baseball uh, exist in is so fundamentally night and day different than what we talk about. It's mm-hmm. just it's just it's so so different. But that doesn't mean that our thing is worse because it's different. It's like it's we are intentionally landing on this side of the of the equation because we don't want to be over there. I don't want to engage a kid in that conversation about some sort of like internal configuration configuration in their bodies and then have to rely on the fidelity of that starting with like, does that kid even understand what I'm talking about? Oh, I need to see you loading that scat more in your swing. Good luck. You're lucky if a kid knows what a scat is. Right. Like good luck trying to make them, uh, make them understand that with any degree of confidence. I mean, some of the lessons we've given, we kids have like not necessarily understood what it means to hit a ball square. Yeah. And like you talk about scap protection, like yeah. you're, you're just 10 miles over there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and if you can't, if you can't agree on that type of stuff, batted ball outcome stuff, oppo pull middle, do we even know what these things mean? Yeah. If you can't uh, get that stuff to be received by both parties and not playing a two person version of telephone, then you good luck trying to do the other stuff. Right. I think the funnest thing about coaching is to like, you make the decision, this kid needs to make change X, mm-hmm. right? And then the process of how can I say like one sentence and have the change made, right? Mm-hmm. With most most kids, they're not uh, biologically advanced enough. They're not, they'll not have the proprioception to be like, I need your body to do this. And they'll be like, got you. And then like, you know, by the end of the week, by the end of the round, yeah. like it's looking better, yeah. right? But you give them a goal like to to do X, to hit a ball, you know, that's not pulled between 10 and 15 degrees or something mm-hmm. um, that you've decided will help drive this change you're trying to make. 
at least in my experience, I don't, I don't have the numbers to back it up, uh, way more effective, not only like session, like in session, but also like lasting progress. Kid gets away from that change. They can yeah. really easily go and tell themselves, oh, this is, this is what gets me back, right? Yeah. If I think about hitting a ball here like that, that's what gets me back. Instead of the uh, 13-year-old who's, you know, has some good, good rounds, right? They have a good couple months and they go back to that swing flaw. They've grown five inches. Yeah. Thinking about an internal cue that they think gets them back, it's just like not going to be effective because the internal uh, feeling or whatever is going to be completely different because their body is different. Uh, so like having that external goal of driving that actual mechanical change uh, seems to be way, way more effective. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, it's, it's a tricky thing to execute online. Like also, mm -hmm. you know, trying to do that remotely um, is... I make no bones about it man it requires you to burn some calories so like I, I think having you know you logan tyler Cade, uh who else am i forgetting that's so on our squad yeah like the, the yeah like the squad um of, of folks that we have working with academy online who again have been there as athletes and understand the system on the back end mm -hmm. that leverage is like that's that's the reason that the the trust gets established is somebody has a very clear idea of like what we're trying to do in the system that's going to do it but also they've gone through that system as an athlete. Right. They can you know, sit like, there and ask themselves like, okay, I see this kid has this issue. What constraints can I apply to like force their way out of this yeah. issue? Kid always gets around the ball, throws everything like a football. Okay. You got to throw your plyos like super arm side or something. Yeah. Right. And so I'm just going to like make you stand to the left of your plyo wall. So you physically can't hit the plyo wall yeah. on the left of you, you know, like those sorts of considerations about like what constraints we're going to apply uh, to like really drive changes quickly. And, and I think the funny thing about that is that, like, I think a lot of people would, because the, the lesson model is so pervasive, you would assume that the outcome of that is, like, someone who's going to throw 20 things at you. Or I can, I can see 30 things that you're doing wrong mm -hmm. or whatever, right? Where it's like, this is very much Dunning-Kruger, right? I get to the top of this, mount, of, this, of this mountain and it's like, I'm trying to be as efficient as possible with the way that I'm coaching you to give you the simplest goal to try to achieve that's going to have this systemic effect on everything that like precedes it. Right. You know, that, that thing, that like efficiency of communication, uh, I think a lot of parents miss in the youth side that like, well, I just, he tells me I got like seven things wrong. Right. It's like, no, it's more efficient to identify the one thing that's going to create systemic change and then let that thing sink in. Right. And then you just work bottom up about everything else. Yeah. I mean, like if as a coach, uh, your goal is like to just get a player better. Uh, I think that like people know enough now and there's enough out there where like, that's just not a good enough goal anymore. Yeah. Like to just get people better. Like you have to be like streamlined and efficient in doing so. And like really make the most of every minute you get with every athlete because, uh, They'll probably get better wherever they go. Like just doing more hitting and more throwing. Like kids are kids. They'll get sure. better and stronger. Um, but like at this point, people know enough. Uh, we're like, you got to be fucking efficient. You got to like not waste any time, not waste a day. Um, and I think that like we're getting pretty close to that with the gym and the online academy. Yeah. We're just like making the absolute most of our time and like getting really, really good at our jobs. Yeah. And, and because of that, this isn't, really a product for a large portion of the market who isn't willing to like do it every day no and we're, look at look at their schedule look at track every day right go and do the workout that's in there uh, self-supervised or supervised by a parent or, or a sibling or someone like that um and, and get after it every single day there's there's a lot less people out there that are like that than think they're yes like that. and like we're not I want to clear it, you know, clear the air. We're not making eight-year-olds throw seven days a week. Uh, you know, but the idea of, like, uh, being dedicated to, like, you know, three, a program. four days. Right, right, exactly, yeah. a program, a consistent yeah. uh, program that's going to, like, compound and build on itself uh, so that, you know, we're consistently making progress on both, like, the workload building side, which is really important for kids as they uh, get better. They're going to be asked to throw more and more. We need them to be ready for that. Um, but also just, like on the actual skill improvement side. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, consistency kills. And I think it's a lot, man, it's, 
it's easy to like think that there's a boogeyman that you can just kill in the night and you're going to resolve that problem in perpetuity. But it's like, you know, can you do three sessions a week for 52 weeks? Can you do that for another 52 weeks? Yeah. Like, and continue like, to do, work. Do you like baseball that much? That's the question. Yeah. And so like, it becomes part of our job to, uh, provide that mm-hmm. and to like, you know, kid, obviously if they come to us, they like baseball enough. Right. Um, so like, Stimulating that, providing that, uh, fostering that growth is, is part of our jobs as well. Well, and especially because, again, you're talking about kids who are crappy at context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about parents who might not be much better at, better about it either. Right. But, the and again, kind of like the, the, the thing that we try to do is try to build that context in an engagement, like in an engagement thing. Like, what was the what was the kid that came and tried out today or last week that he said he was like I was so happy to play baseball and not have a... yeah how devastating was that he's uh, oh. was asked on the car ride home uh, if he enjoyed coming to driveline to like try out some of the practices and his he said uh, it's so nice to play baseball when someone's not screaming at you it's like hmm, that's uh, a I real mean, dagger to the heart there. Yeah, you know, like the from the from the mouth of babes, right? Yeah. Like that's just the, the kid doesn't have any. The takeaway is we should scream more. Oh, sure. I mean, obviously. Yeah. I also, think... the kid was twelve. Yeah. 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 Which which I think tells you everything you need to know about just you know the the landscape, right? Like you've just got a, a bunch of coaches and parents and parents who coach who have a disproportionate sense of consequence. Uh, they have a disproportionate or ill, you know, ill-formed relationship to the outcome on the field, either for their team or for their child and how that informs their own sense of self. Mm-hmm. And it all just goes sideways from there very, very quickly. Yeah. Very quickly. There's just like a bunch of like downstream stuff. So it's like, you know, I, uh, and, and the funny thing is, Actually, Dylan, I forgot. I was going to gas you up about something different. So Stick. let me let me pull it up. A double gas up. Um, it's probably not your time. Inside, so uh, so like uh, I'll, I got I got. So Dylan, uh, I think we kind of skipped over this, but you're also coaching our 15U and well, I guess 15U and 16U kind of right now. Like yeah. you're kind of working yeah. with both. Um, and uh, drivelinebaseball.com slash careers. Yeah. If you want to coach 15 you, we need a we 16 you, we need a coach. Um, join me 425 523 4030 support at dreadlinebaseball.com. Um, should I give out my personal number on this? Ooh, dicey. Hi, hi okay. instead, of, instead of calling and maybe talking to like me, Brent, or, or I guess, yeah, you <laughs> yeah, I, I guess you, I guess you, uh, yeah, you could just call 425 227 9076. This is so bold. I love it. I love it. It's about that action. Um, so we're just having this conversation about context and we're talking about how we kind of uh, talk to athletes. And um, so we use Slack as kind of the the way that we communicate with our, our, our parents. And then for our high school, or I guess 14 and up players and parents, mm-hmm. right? Um, 13s. Too. 13s too. Um, if you got a phone, hop in Slack. Yeah. And uh, Dylan, the message that you wrote the weekly to to the kids this week Man, it's it is exactly for me like how I want this thing to function and how I want our coaches to be able to communicate context because we're the data driven guys, right? Like we we've spent however long we've been talking forty some odd minutes about observation, right? About using data to kind of quantify improvement, and that's how stuff goes, right? But you read it live, but the context that that Dylan provided in our team channel is was just like it's everything, right? Um, so there's there's a bunch of stuff kind of to the parents and players for all the work they put in. Uh, the thing they want to get to specifically is like uh, talking to these kids, 15 year old kids and 16 year old kids about their high school seasons. And here's what Dylan writes: a lot now, of freshmen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of freshmen. So it's their first time in high school baseball. Different animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here's what Dylan writes: uh, Now it's go time. It's not time to worry about our attack angles, uh, swing to swing, or the spit efficiency of our fastball. Are these things we want to continue to monitor if possible? Yes. But the driving focus for all of you who make a high school team needs to be winning on the field at a personal level for the team's benefit. We've spent the offseason bolstering your toolkit. Now it's time to take the tools you have and go to work. Like, that is the context that I wish every coach could be able to grapple with you'd be able to see it from both sides right we can work in a configure in configuration where we are expressly pointed towards individual improvement 
we are going to take uh, notice of things like bat speed, spin efficiency, yada, yada. That's the phase that we're in. But that phase exists in a very specific window of time. Mm -hmm. And then you have the other phase where it's like, hey, you got to go out and compete. Right. And the thing that I want to see in youth baseball in the next decade, because I don't think it's going to take it's going to take some time is more people that kind of understand both sides of things, right? Just because we had this attachment to individual development and communicating context and quantifying performance doesn't mean that we ignore that other reality of the game like that. It's, it's all there. The whole reason we do all this crap is to actually go out and be successful. When I just put on a uni and a belt, that's the, only like, reason. That's the reason. But I think sometimes, you know, people pervert the message a little bit when we talk about stuff. And maybe this is our fault because we under-index for how much we talk about it. But, like, that's the point. Right. That's the point. That's why we don't call strength strength. Right. We call it high performance so we can right. go perform on the field. Right. Right. Uh, this is the back paragraph of what Dylan wrote. You know, we're looking to hit lasers, be aggressive on the base paths, take good ABs. We're going to fill up the zone, embarrass hitters, dominate in tough situations. Be the guy on the team where you can go 0 for 3, 0 for 3, and rip a double in the fourth AB. Be the guy who has a shaky first inning but dices the rest of the game. Be the guy who uses failure as a motivator, a learning tool, not a reason to pout. Be a dog. Keep your focus on the next pitch, the next day. Be always learning from the last one. That context is so important for these kids because they're not going to have it on their own. Even high school kids. I didn't. And right. in, in most situations, that's not the context their high school coach is going to give them. Correct. 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 So, um, I mean, I know as a high schooler, I, it, I was over three. There was absolutely no shot. There was getting a four. We were getting a hit in the fourth at bat. Yeah. No mm -hmm. shot. Um, and so I think that like, you know, cause for me it was like, uh, I just struck out. It's because I wasn't moving my hips. Right. It's because, you know, so sure. I'm sitting in the dugout thinking about how I have to swing differently and not thinking about how I have to go compete and yeah. thinking about that. Like, there's a ball coming in. I have to hit it. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, that's as complicated as I can make that thought. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and that, that was not something I was good at in high school at all. Uh, and so I think that like helping other kids be good at it is something that's important because yeah. you look at some of the best baseball players in the world and their mind is extremely quiet when they're doing the thing. Um, but that means we have to be really, really focused in here when we're training for the thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think that that, that context is uh, it's worth its weight in gold. You know, because yeah. like, but that's not to say data can't be in that context. Sure, of course. We've grounded out eight times over the last two games. What's our attack angle been? Oh, it's been negative every single swing. Let's go take around a BP. Let's try and hit some moonshots and right. overcorrect and start to feel what the opposite feels like, so we can go in the middle. Yeah, you know. Um, sometimes you know during the season the context is data, but we have to open our eyes that like sometimes it's not, and we have to like take a very. Uh, almost like a non-baseball approach to like triaging some things um, because like sometimes it is absolutely just like the person and the athlete that's inhibiting success uh, or not the athlete, the, like the person, the mental side of things. And I think like as a good coach, you're able to uh, look at all the data and look at all that stuff and then realize it's not this, yeah. it's something else, yeah. you know? Um, and so I think that like, hopefully that's what all of our Academy online trainers, all of our coaches here are, are capable and adept to doing. Yeah, it's just, it's, uh, I think it's just the number one tool to be able to have in the toolbox to be able to kind of live on both sides, mm -hmm. you know, like, which, which is uh, an easy thing to say. It's a harder thing to exemplify, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it, you gotta, again, you gotta be invested. The care factor has to be high. Uh, the, the Carol Dweck growth mindset, uh, one to 10 scale has got to be up there. Like mm -hmm. you have to be committed to like really grappling with this shit and understand all the things you need to know to serve the whole of the athlete. Right. Right. We're, we're not. I'm not just understanding everything I can about bat speed and attack angle and remaining intentionally ignorant about everything on the edge. You, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta see the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So we're gonna, we're gonna do, uh, this is going to be a recurring segment for, for new guests on the pod. Um, Jeremy and I have already gone through this process. So the game is, the game is, oh, we're doing the, okay, this one. Okay. Three ball players. Okay. Who, if they insulted you, Ooh. it would hurt the most. So, so mine, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, Gary Carter, Kirk Gibson, and uh, I think I picked like Spike Owen as like a random Mariner from my okay. childhood. Okay. So I don't even remember who I picked. 
Could not tell you. Ooh, uh, I feel like Derek Lee was probably one of them. Yeah, Derek Lee was one. Was it Carlos Sambrano? No, he I he should probably judge me. That guy's a psycho. So. <laughs> well, that guy was honestly, I learned some very important lessons of how to not act on a baseball field from that guy. Yeah. Loved him. Loved watching him play. He stinks. But like I was like 11. It was like, this guy's overreacting. Yeah. Like this, this guy should calm down. Like, <laughs> so, uh, so that's the game. Ken Griffey Jr. Oh, Ken Griffey Jr. was He's on there. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, who was maybe, I don't know, I don't remember, Mark Pryor maybe? I, and, yeah, and yes, because, yeah, but then because, I said he works. He, we, I know he's he doesn't. Yeah, uh, he he's he's he's, he's good with me. He, yeah, he, I'm, we're we're good. So, yeah. so that's the game. Three big leaguers who like it would just it would just kill uh, would just stink. If they so, posted on online like this drive on Academy product, yeah, Academy Online product is terrible, and whoever runs it must have no brain. Yeah, uh, who would you like see that you'd be funny, and then like who is who's on there that you'd be like, wow, that and, is like devastating. And it's got a sting. To, right. So to to, to differentiate, when uh, Jack McDowell called me a fat fuck online, it was uh, funny. It's fine. Right. I I could not care less. Jack, yeah. I hope you have a great day. All right. Here's uh, the name I think he's going to say. Uh, I see where you're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Denard Span. Denard Span. Van. Not wow. what I thought. Okay. Your favorite, right okay. there. We had okay. like three Denard Span jerseys growing up. Okay. Uh, I went the. I went who I thought was your childhood favorite. The, the pre Denard Span center fielder. Uh, well, For no. The twins? Is that be... what you're guessing? Carlos Gomez. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I thought about him. I don't know if I <laughs> that is exactly why I typed out. <laughs> I liked him a lot as a kid. I don't know if I have enough like. Uh, not that I've ever met either of them, but like. Denard Span seems like a better dude than Carlos Gomez. I That's... might say. I could be you told, might not be wrong. I could you be might totally not be wrong. wrong. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Never yeah. met either. Yeah. But yeah. that's my reason. You're going off of available information. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, so we got Denard Span. That's one. Denard Span. Scherzer. Okay. okay. That's a pretty good one. Just good one. Watch yeah. all the Scherz Day starts. Yeah. Um, shit. This is a good question. I know. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. Mine was very easy to just go like Gary Carter and Kirk Gibson because like that's just it. You mm-hmm. know, like I was a Gibby guy uh, before he got to the Dodgers, and then once that cemented in '88, I'm locked. And Gary Carter was like my idol. Oh, I said Kerry Wood. That's where. Oh Mark yeah, Pryor yeah, yeah, with. yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's right. where I replaced Mark Pryor with. Might go like Joe Nathan. Ooh, yeah. You yeah. said Joe, and I was like almost about to type out Joe Mauer because mm-hmm. I thought that was going to be your third one. But not Joe a big Mauer fan. Mauer not a big Mauer fan. Yeah. I just found Mauer. Joe Nathan. I think Joe Nathan won me a fantasy baseball championship. Mauer was so Minnesotan, though. I know. I mean, that's like... <laughs> the most Minnesotan ball player yeah, of all time. Yeah. I mean, born and raised, but... That's the yeah. first time I've ever heard, like, a born and raised Minnesotan say anything that's, like, even could be construed as slightly negative about Joe Mauer. I won't say And you did it totally. on a public podcast. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And... <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just a little. I mean, to hit one walk off home run your entire time, one walk off hit. Was I he think, even trying? Probably not. Yeah. But you know who he hit it to? You know who caught that ball? No. Max Garrett. That is absolute gas. Max had gotten called from the Saints, who are still yeah. in the American Association. Yeah. And when they were like, hey, he was a bullpen catcher. Our bullpen them, right? catcher's out yeah. or something. So I think he was only there in that series. Joe Maurer hits his only walk-off hit into the bullpen for a walk-off home run. Max Garrett catches That's it. Everything comes back what to Gary. What an incredible story. Yeah. Everything comes back to Gary, dude. It's good. It's yeah. all Gary. Yeah. It's, it's all, all Gary. Back. All Gary all the time. It's that meme when they sit <laughs> yeah. down. Yeah. It's Gary the whole time. Oh, that's so good. Um, so, yeah, that's. I think this is a good recurring segment. Yeah, for I like to, that for yeah. our guests. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I like that. that. Too. I like yeah. That. We're, uh, I think we'll... Stay we'll, tuned for more recurring segments that, yeah, that yeah. we're cooking up over here. Yeah, I mean, I, you know... <laughs> I, I just can't expect that you guys are always going to tune in to listen to me yell about how dumb aspects of youth baseball are. So I think uh, I think bringing some of this stuff in is good. Yeah, we'll, we'll get some segments going. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, man. Uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about next pod. I don't know. I don't we, know. We haven't we haven't cooked it up yet because we had the back to back guests. So we yeah. So uh, players hit- that you want to insult. Oh man! I'm coming for you, John Rocker. <laughs> yeah, 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 John. Ugh. Ooh, play, that's a that's a tough one. Uh, AJ that's Pollock. A, uh, AJ I Pollock. thought you were going to say Pollock. the other AJ, who absolutely I would insult. Uh, Przinsky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I also can, like if we're going foreign players, like John Smoltz. I hate you. 
stop broadcasting TV games. <laughs> it seems like you hate the job. And, and you are rich enough that you don't have to do things you hate. So stop, because you're ruining it for everybody else. Does it seem like he derives any joy no, from what he does? No, it seems like someone is forcing him to go. And he's just like miserable the whole time. It it feels like you should call a spring training game for the next pod. I, I dude, live. don't tell me with a good time. I'll call her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. I uh, yeah. It it seems like his vibe is like me in the waiting room at the dentist. If you're gonna talk shit, you have to do it better. You got to call a game now. Yeah. Oh, I I could do it better than John Smoltz. But but somebody else would have to do play or play because he's the color. Right. Uh, who's gonna do? But like, I could I could say the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. As John Smoltz, I could literally like get the transcript of a broadcast and just read and just everything and it. just be more excited. <laughs> so you even though I, all of his shit's wrong anyways, I know, could say the wrong thing and, and just have some sort of excitement and enthusiasm and it would just like magically make it a better experience for everybody. People would want to watch. You know they did the I think so. You know they did the analytical broadcasts like Yeah, like, they were great. He, proposal. They should do one that is like squarely boomer oriented. So I want Smoltz up at like 11. Pr- pr- proposal like, that should be the alternate broadcast. Yes. Give, give us the good one. Yes. So I don't have to go to like ESPN Plus or whatever to see the, the Petrello one. I, I want like Smoltz and Marvin Freeman and like Don Mattingly in the booth. And I want them just just crapping on the game Burn for like... 11 too. For, well, two, for three hours. And here's the deal. It has to be a game with none of the new rules. Oh, no, no, no new pitch clock. Uh, no, I think it has to be a game with all the new rules so that they have something to complain about. Fucking do it at the Field of Dreams site or whatever. Although, with the new rules, they just don't have time. They'll be halfway through a complaint and the inning will be over. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and be it, like, damn it. Like, I actually... Like, I don't know, time like, yeah. like, oh, was, it, was it Wandy Peralta that just, like, quick-pitched somebody three straight? Like that? There were so many videos this past week of, like, here is a guy getting three... Getting, like, a three-pitch strikeout in the same time it took that same guy to throw one pitch two uh, That guy... Uh, or, like, the... the the Pedro Baez. Oh, uh, PD, dude. It took him so long to throw that one pitch to David Ross, and they were like multiple at bats. Like bit full like at bats. Yeah, and like, I don't mind it. I, I don't. I mind parts of it. I don't. I don't terribly I mind, mind parts it. of it. I don't terribly mind it. I, I think I'm just. I'm fine with the game taking whatever it takes. It's like time wise. It you know? depends. Yeah, there's, there's like certain scenarios where Rob like, is not. <laughs> Pedro Baez, I'm good to get that out of the game. That was brutal. Yeah, hundred percent. I watched that game live. It yeah, was agonizing. It, it was. It was absolutely brutal. Yeah. Uh, and like, there's, you know, we could a- absolutely eliminate the extremes and not have to go based on like this, you know, 15, 20 second pitch clock. Yeah. But I'd rather, if we have to pick one or the other, I'd rather go the 15, 20 second pitch clock than like the Pedro Baez pitchers can go like thirty eight seconds in between throwing a pitch, and we're just all sitting there just waiting. You've heard the story about why Pedro was going so slow that day, right? No, I don't think so. There was like a coach who was telling him to like slow down. He already was slow, and he already. I think he was they already were already one of like the slowest uh-huh. players. Yeah, I think they were. If I there's there's I think uh, JP Hoonster, one of the guys that that does like stuff for the the Dodgers, wrote about it. But it was like somebody a coach, and I it, mm, was this before the prior regime. I can't remember in Dodger history, but whatever. Um, no, it 100 percent was. Uh, it was like, hey, you need to like slow, slow, like slow something down, and I think that's what it turned into. Let's see, I'm just going like, yeah, I'm just gonna deliver one pitch about every, every minute. minute or so. Yeah, that uh, that is brutal. Yeah, um, but yeah, I I am down to to do a, a spring training game where we just make it more enjoyable. Um, you can't forget it has to be an Astros game if we have like the Boomer podcast so that they can have uh, Jeff Bagwell on and he can. Talk about the Astros and how he's taken everything that every ounce of progress that they've made over the last handful of years, no matter what, how you feel about them, and yeah. just reversed all of it. Mariners fans should be very happy. About Mariners that fans should be thrilled. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's a good time. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, next episode, maybe we'll call a spring training game. <laughs> maybe we'll find something else to talk to yeah. that doesn't get us sued by MLB. Although you can do like those watch things with like UFC and you just sync it up, right? Like that's a like yeah. We we can do it. Yeah. We'll figure it out. We'll do it on like YouTube Live. Yeah. It'll be uh, fun. We could. You know what? I could announce like an out of the park baseball simulated game and still be more enthusiastic about it than John Smoltz is about like a World Series game, a playoff game, whatever it is. Yeah, imagine the unlock it is for the audience when the people that are commentating and driving the conversation about the action don't hate baseball. Yeah. Imagine what that sounds like. Like, you know, 
it's not the best to listen to Tony Romo broadcast a game because a lot of it is just like noises and excitable noises. Sure. But like, I would rather have someone in the booth who's like giggling at like a guy throwing 102 or like, yeah. look at that bat speed. Like, I'd rather have that than like John Smoltz uh, complaining that. He's overthrowing. He, people are throwing too hard or whatever yeah. he complains about. Yeah, I mean, you know, I grew up on, um, you know, uh, Kevin Calabro and Marcus Johnson calling Sonics games. And they were the best because they were as hyped as I was when anything good happened. And they wore it when something bad happened. But they were very, like, uh, insightful uh, about what was taking place in the, in the, in the middle. You Sounds know? like a good coach. I mean, I grew up listening to Cubs games uh, with Ron Santa, who... I loved dearly. It was a huge part of my childhood, but there was no part of like intelligent analysis that he was doing. He was providing. Yeah. He was there to like be a Cubs fan in the booth and like be a name. Yeah. And like, yeah. You, when, if you were a Cubs fan, and you were listening to it. You felt like oh, somebody that was on your yeah. side yeah. was like listening yeah. to it right. because he would get so emotionally invested and provide no intelligent analysis. But like the emotional investment was just like, it made you want to listen to him mm -hmm. because he clearly enjoyed like watching in the games and you could like just tell that from his voice whereas John Smoltz it's it's like it's like he's at the dentist yeah. you know like it's like he's doing the worst thing in his life and he gets paid handsomely to do it so like oh yeah what do you think he would get excited about right, that's another podcast but Ooh. <laughs> we got a new segment okay uh before this thing goes entirely off the rails uh thank you guys for joining us as per usual uh dryland academy uh online is something that if you're looking to engage with the academy does wherever you are in the world Talk to us, you know, like we, we follow can, us on socials. We can meet you where you are in your season. Uh, and again, we're going to roll out a yearly training plan that is going to address all the stuff that you need and the stuff that you want, but it's going to be in consideration of the right way to do it relative to your schedule and your considerations because at a lower price point than per month than most well, lessons are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're paying, you know, somebody $75 a week uh, to go do lessons, we're a heck of a lot cheaper than that. So, uh, so yeah, go check it out. We'll be at you next time to talk about uh, more uh, calling a spring training game and John Smoltz and uh, other baseball players that we want to insult and then the ones that would hurt our hearts the most. Yeah. If they threw it back at us. So you guys, catch you My guys later. My list of all three of them is just John Smoltz. It's always John Smoltz. John Smoltz all the time. John Smoltz, everybody. Good night.